Hi, I'm Dave Westberg, and you're listening to the Billboard Insider Podcast, where we interview industry leaders about trends impacting the U.S. out-of-home advertising business. This podcast is sponsored by the Ultimate Out-of-Home Sales Guide, the book that gives you the tools you need to sell out-of-home effectively. Purchase your copy at billboardinsider.com backslash publications. Today's guest is out-of-home sales expert Kevin Gephardt. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Dave, good morning. Thanks for having me on. Kevin, for today, we put a query out to Billboard Insider readers. What questions do you have on out-of-home sales? And we received a number of responses, so I will put them to you in the course of this podcast. Uh, the first question is, I just lost my out-of-home sales job. Now what? I can speak from experience because I've been fired twice in my career. I will tell you that they were the two worst days in my professional life. So if you're feeling at the bottom of the barrel in this day, you're in good company, right? You really need to determine why you lost your job. And this requires brutal honesty, honesty that maybe you don't even possess. So you need to look to your spouse, your network of people, people that know you well, and convince them to be brutally honest with you about why you lost your job. Because there are reasons that are yours and there are reasons that are beyond your control. Downsizing can be out of your control. A company reorganization can be out of your control. And I would include in that, you know, your company was taken over by another company and they don't need you anymore. And the third one is you blew it, right? So my first, I will say that my first termination in my career, I blew it. I was brand new into the workforce. I thought I knew more than the people that ran the business. And the day that I got fired, I got an MBA in street smarts. Hmm. Hmm. I learned more in that day than several years leading up to that point. I learned that if I'm so smart, if I'm so good, why don't I just go get another job and leave this organization behind? And the other is I learned the golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rules. And if I'm not willing to do what they want to do in the way they want to do it, I owe it to them to get out of there. So those are the lessons I learned from being terminated. But let's say that you're part of downsizing a reorg. Here's the brutal truth about downsizing. If a company has to downsize, they don't look for their A players or even their B players to get rid of. They look for C, D, and F players. So it goes back to the brutal honesty. Under the reorganization or the downsizing, I won't call it, let's call it downsizing. Why was I someone they thought they could get rid of? You really have to have incredible honesty with yourself about it. And in your career, I talk about this a lot, you, you get paid twice. You get a paycheck and you also get the training and career advancement that your company provides you. If you're sitting there today unemployed, you still have the training, the expertise, and the experience that you gained in that job. They can't take that away from you. Package it up, sell it, and use it to get your next job. There's an incredible book out called What Color Is Your Parachute? I think it's in its like its 20th printing now. It is a how-to guide. It takes you, first of all, through the emotional aspects of having just lost your job. Then it takes you through a self-inventory, and then it takes you through a very detailed, powerful marketing program to get your name back out there and get back in the job. Cast a wide network. I will tell you that when I was looking to leave radio, I was casting as wide a network as I could, 
And this very good friend of mine, a person I'd worked together with on a number of deals, said, why don't you consider out of home? And I'm like, I had never considered out of home. Thought about it for a day, talked to my wife, and it's led to one of the more fulfilling sales careers of my entire life. So cast your network wide and be open to other ideas and other things that can maximize your talents, okay? Consider also that for every $10,000 you wanna make, it will take you about a month of searching. That means that if you want a job that pays you $100,000 a year, you better be prepared for 10, 11 months worth of searching. It's a statistic that's well-founded. I don't know where it came from necessarily, but I think you should use that as your benchmark. And the other thing I would say is, and this is easy for me to say because I'm not out of work today, don't settle, okay? The second time I was terminated, I settled and it didn't go well for me. You might say, Kevin, I've got a family to support. I've got a spouse in this. I, 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 have, to, I have to get the next offer that comes. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Maybe you can find another job that will tide you over until you get the out-of-home sales job that you want. But if that's not possible, then take the job that you're settling for, know, consciously know that you're settling for it, and then use the next year and a half to be networking and searching for your next gig so that within a year and a half, you're getting into the gig that you really want. Kevin, you've touched on something interesting also, and that is particularly young job seekers. I think they start and end with LinkedIn. Oh, just go go to LinkedIn, go to the online searches. And that is such a mistake. I heard an anecdotal story the other day of a software company in Seattle where there'd been a lot of layoffs, posted a job. They got 2,000 responses on LinkedIn. And so if all you think you're going to do in your job search is respond to LinkedIn job openings, you're going to be one of 2,000 people, <laughs> and so, which leads to the point of work the network. It actually does involve getting a job involves sales. It involves meeting people in person. It involves understanding their companies and understand and how you're a good fit for their company. And, and you can't just do that by simply just uh, pinging back and forth on LinkedIn. Absolutely. I've never gotten a job through traditional channels. It's always been through my network. I will say though, that if you wanna use LinkedIn, please include a compelling benefit headline why they should hire you. It's, it's like so much other advertising. It's just a, here's what I am, here's what it is. Put the compelling benefit headline and you'll get some response. Kevin, is cold calling dead? No. If you wanna sell sales training in books and or seminars, advertise that cold calling is dead and you'll get tons of people that sign up and want to hear what you have to say because we all want cold calling to be dead, but it's not. It is a tool in the toolbox and cold calling isn't dead. It's the, I don't have any business purpose for calling you is dead. The, my boss is making me make this call, that's dead. And the, I don't have any thought about your business that's dead. So intelligent cold calling is alive and well, and it's one of the tools in the toolbox. Okay, you've got warm calling, you've got referrals, you've got networking, you've got email marketing, social media, you've got affinity group marketing. Those are all tools, but cold calling is the one that really relies on your initiative. 
If you're sitting there at your desk and your sales are in the tank, my father used to say, do something, even if it's wrong. So pick up the phone, call somebody, make an intelligent call and have a well-planned, well-targeted message to that person and you'll cut through. It's one powerful tool. If you sell out-of-home advertising, you need the ultimate out-of-home sales guide. This book gives you the tools you need to sell out-of-home effectively. Wish I had this book earlier in my career, says Paul Serra of Badger Consulting. Good stuff, comments Keystone Outdoors' Lisa DeFelice. This gives an owner or sales manager a nice reference tool, adds Chris Kalbeck of the IBO USA. Purchase your copy of the Ultimate Out-of-Home Sales Guide at billboardinsider.com backslash publications. Kevin, the next set of questions is addressed at sales management. What's a good commission plan and bonus plan for out-of-home sales reps? Companies want to use straight commission. Straight commission is also permission to not sell. The sales rep is working on spec work at that point. If they bring a contract, they get paid. If they don't, they don't. You want to create a salary plus bonus based on activity. You want to create a, a salary system that is 80% of the livable wage in your market area. You need to know what the livable wage is in your market area. And you also need to know what are the average incomes of the media people within your marketplace. When you know that, then you can develop a compensation plan. Now, the other 20% of the compensation plan should be based on achieving KPIs. And they're very important. The number of self-generated cold calls or self-generated calls, take cold out of it. The number of meetings weekly that you have with a qualified client. You're not just meeting with the barista at Starbucks. You're actually meeting with a qualified client. Number of qualified proposals and then your sales numbers. So the other 20% is bonus based on achieving those KPIs. And use your rep's pay range when you know what your livable wage is in your marketplace. Look at what you're paying your current reps. And I'm assuming that it is over the livable wage of your marketplace because media sales jobs are some of the highest paying jobs in the marketplace. Use that, advertise that when you have an opening. Say, our reps make 20% more than the average here in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And also use it as a recruitment tool. When you're sitting face-to-face -face with somebody you really want to hire, have them understand that come, come on board, get trained and indoctrinated by us, and you'll earn 20% more than the average market. Kevin, how do you adjust a compensation plan for someone's current book of business versus additional business? In other words, do you change the plan for a experience exec versus someone that's just starting with no book of business? Well, it's really critical and it's taken the big companies, and I know because I've worked for the big companies, it's taken them a long time to understand the amount of time and effort and skill involved in generating sales local direct as opposed to just answering an agency RFP and or just answering a call that came into the office. Companies are getting very smart about lowering the commission with agency RFPs and with if you hand off a lead to a rep versus self-generated calls. They've upped the commission significantly on self-generated calls and self-generated clients as it should be. I have occasionally had sales reps complain to me and say, you know, I'm doing a great job. I'm generating whatever, 
200,000, 500,000, a million dollars a year of business. But what happens is every year the company creeps up the base book of business I have to earn in order to get a bonus. There's a tension, isn't there, between keeping your reps hungry and yet if you put the base so high, it's it's inherently unfair unless that experienced sales rep is making a pretty handsome salary. Every sales department should have a big banner on the wall that says, this is not a place to work, this is a place to grow. I don't know of any business owner that is willing to not have their enterprise grow. Because if their enterprise wasn't growing, they could take all the money that they have tied up in the business, put it in a bank CD and just and just call it good. You have to understand you are signing up for a business where growth is a requirement. Now, you might have a bad year, you might have a bad quarter. That should be understandable on the part of ownership and management. But if you think you're gonna coast along at the same level of business year in and year out, you're in the wrong business. How do you measure sales rep activity? You have to have a good CRM system. And I can recommend some good options if people want to reach out to me. I've researched this a fair amount, but you know, there's certainly HubSpot, Zono, Salesforce. I mean, those are some of those. HubSpot actually was considered to be one of the best values for the money with small business owners just a couple of years ago. But I have a pretty good list based on what you want to achieve, but you have to have a CRM system. You wouldn't operate your business office without a good software system and without knowing where everything is financially. Don't operate a sales department without having that same insight. So when reps leave your company, they leave with a huge amount of your customer intel. What other function of your business would you allow a real estate rep to leave with all the contracts only in his head or her head? Don't allow reps to leave with all of your sales intel tied up in their head. Get it in a CRM system and then coach your reps to their KPIs within the system. A lot of times, if they don't have the number of cold calls, they're going to say, I don't have enough prospects. Great. That's something to work on. That's a very trainable, fixable part of the equation. But figure out what it is and coach them. Should a sales manager call with sales reps? Absolutely. Always. I'm going to talk again about one of my failures because it's a huge lesson. When you're on a call with a sales rep, do not salvage the call yourself as the sales manager. I've been on a couple of sales hmm. calls where the, the sales call is going south so fast that I, I'm like, I'm having, I'm, having, I'm having heart palpitations. So I have to dive in and save the call. No one sales call is worth the price of sacrificing your salesperson's experience and education. They're going to leave that call knowing that they failed. You can coach them in how they failed. And that lesson is indelibly imprinted in their psyche. They're never again going to make that mistake probably because you let them fail on a sales call. No one individual call is worth jumping in as Superman. The other thing that a sales manager brings is importance. Okay. I own a, I own five hardware stores in town and all of a sudden Dave Westberg is coming out to call on me and he's, he's bringing manager Kevin with him. Am I that important to that company? Do I really? And so you convey an importance and a, just a, an overall importance that is hard to get any other way. So you should absolutely go on sales calls. 
the best sales managers I know of do it on a regular basis. They have a regular rotation and the sales reps know when they're going to be taking the manager with. And it's it's just a part of the culture of the sales department. So, Kevin, you talked about how to coach sales effectiveness when you're on a call as a sales manager by not salvaging the call. But how do you coach sales rep effectiveness when you're not on a call? Dave, you have kids. I have kids, right? We can't be at school in their jobs with them. So we imbue our kids with everything we know, try to, and give them a good education that we hope when they're out in the world that they operate the way we want them to for their maximum happiness, right? Mm -hmm. No different in sales. We can't be there. So we have to imbue them with training and intellect and tools that are going to get them through the day. You remember the miracle on the Hudson, right? The, mm -hmm. the airplane that had to emergency land on the Hudson River. And U.S. Air couldn't be in the cockpit with Sully Sullenberger. So they had to trust that their training and the things that they told Sully were going to pay off when he had to make that emergency landing. And they did. Sully said that he wasn't courageous so much as he was acting on the training that he had been given over the years. He just he it was all inside him and he activated it as he needed to. So you want to be sure that you're training your people in a way that when they get in front of clients, that they do say and do the things you want them to do. I will also say that training is motivation. When you have a good training program, it motivates your salespeople. And it's not that little adrenaline fix that you get from, you know, the rah-rah the sessions, you know, the hand clapping and everything. It's just pure intellectual motivation because they're learning something new and they're learning how to do their job better. I will say that one of the ways you can really dive deep into what's going on with a sales rep is ask your sales reps individually, what is the biggest objection you hear? Okay. They're going to tell you something that may or may not statistically be the one they hear most often. What they are telling you is the objection that they have the hardest time dealing with. So when they tell you what their biggest objection is, give them training and strategies to answer that objection, and then you're preparing them for their next sales call. One of the best tools I've ever seen in preparing salespeople for sales calls is you have on a rotating basis in your sales meetings, a sales rep that will come in, every sales rep is required on a, on a calendar basis to come in at a sales meeting and present a major presentation that they're going to be making in the next week or two. So first of all, sales reps hate this. You're going to get a lot of grumble. You're going to get a lot of pushback. But, and, and what's worse, I mean, who, who wants to sit and make presentations in front of their peers, especially when their peers are being asked to critique it, right? No one likes it. But you're going to go through fire in a controlled environment. So you can role play and it also forces them to pre-plan the call because it saves them running out the door to that client not having thought about it. And it also really gives them valuable feedback and you tap the community knowledge of everybody in the sales arena. I will also say that I had the luxury of going to a leadership institute in Philadelphia run by a guy by the name of Charlie Menzies. And he had Menzies' golden rule, do unto others the way they want to have done. So you need to coach those reps in the way that they need to and want to be coached. 
not the way that you personally feel you're going to learn best, right? You want to know how to coach them. I would encourage all operators to use some kind of a leadership inventory tool, like a personality profile. There are a lot of good ones on the internet. There are a lot of companies that do this service very inexpensively. So the first thing you do is you survey your current team. So you figure out, okay, what are the common success attributes of the people that are already succeeding in my organization and in this job? And then you screen for that as you hire. And then you also know going forward, okay, if Dave Westberg is my sales rep here and he's struggling, I can go to his leadership profile and say, okay, here's what Dave needs from a leader. And then you can apply that information. It saves you guessing what that rep needs when they're out making a sales call without you. Kevin, talk a little bit about the role of company offsites, sales offsites. What's your take about are they needed? What makes for an effective annual sales motivational meeting, an offsite meeting? Connection and camaraderie. One of the trainers I've learned a lot from over the years said, you know what? He said, I think I'm standing in the front of the room giving them all these pearls of wisdom. And people confess to me, you know, the things I learned the most were in the bar over a glass of wine with some of my fellow reps. And it's true. The, the alchemy of people getting together with a common vision, common set of challenges, and oh, by the way, there might be a speaker involved too. What happens at those sessions is, it, it, sound, it might sound corny to say magical, but it is magical. I developed, when I went to some group trainings at a company I worked for, I de- they brought three markets together at a common location. I developed friendships, networks, and insights at that meeting that I used until the day I left the company. It's it's expensive, it's becoming more and more expensive, but well-planned and well done, it will pay huge dividends. That's all for this week. Thanks for appearing on the show, Kevin. Dave, I loved it. If you have questions on out-of-home sales, email Dave Westberg at billboardinsider.com or Kevin J. Gephardt at gmail.com and we'll get back to you. This podcast was edited by Lucas Jones and sponsored by the Ultimate Out-of-Home Sales Guide. Purchase your copy of the guide at billboardinsider.com backslash publications. You can listen to episodes of the Billboard Insider podcast by visiting billboardinsider.com or subscribing to the Billboard Insider podcast at any of the usual podcast outlets. My email is davewestberg at billboardinsider.com. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. I'll be back in a couple of weeks.